This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, May 28th, and today we're going to be breaking down the action from Thursday night in the NBA playoffs including the Lakers taking charge against the Suns, a big win for Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Plus, we'll be looking ahead to Friday's games, including Game 3 of the Knicks and the Hawks and the Mavs and the Clippers. That is all coming up in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As we welcome in everyone listening and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knaus, Steve Alexander, and it's a four-man booth today with Raphael Johnson joining us. Raph, I don't even think I've asked you this. Do you have a horse in this race? What's your squad? Uh, the Knicks. Oh, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Oh, I'm sorry I asked. First, you beat me in the semifinals of our fantasy league, and now this. Man. Well, I'm still happy you're here regardless. Uh, Steve, how is like day four of, uh, of No Mullet? How are we feeling? Uh, crisp. Crisp. You look crisp. I feel crisp, focused, fresh. Man. I, f- I feel good. Um, this is early in the morning for me, but I- I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I did I did get a text from you at like 3.59 a.m. So yeah. I can testify yeah. this is early in the morning. You. Yeah, I woke up this morning and thought that I had uh, missed a, a golf tee time, which is actually Saturday morning, and I, I was <laughs> sort of in a panic. Uh, but that helped me helped me get get here. So it's good. Nice. I'm gonna for the duration of this podcast anyway, put on my Knicks fan hat uh, just just so that Raph isn't outnumbered by you by you Hawks homers. Thank you. Gross. But this is an honorary <laughs> thing. You're not a real Knicks fan, are you? No. Okay. <laughs> D- good, despite because... growing up in Northern New Jersey, uh, <laughs> I, I was sort of a Nets fan growing up, but my allegiance was Sonics. and always will be with the Sonics. So I have no yes. no dog in the race. Uh, <laughs> helps right, keep the objective. You, didn't you have like Detlef Shrimp on your Twitter profile for a while there? Did I make that up? Why do I think of 
Why do I oh. associate you with Detlef? I think because I still do have Detlef Schrumpf. Oh, okay. Twitter profile. That, that's probably it. And my Facebook photo profile, which confuses people. All right. Well, let's let's get into these Thursday night games. And first of all, I tried to tell you guys that this Bucks Heat series was over, but you would not listen. The Bucks just absolutely <laughs> steamrolled the Heat. <laughs> 113 to 84, 17 points, 17 boards for Giannis. Drew Holiday, 19 points and 12 times. He's got 27 assists the last two games combined. True domination here. Miami only scored 36 points in the first half, Raf. What have you seen from the Bucks overall that's stood out to you? I think the difference that Drew Holiday has made on both ends of the floor. Um, he gives them another creator offensively, as you noted by the assist tally from the last two games. Defensively, you can guard multiple positions, so they have different looks that they can throw Jimmy Butler's way, where they use Giannis to get more length and athleticism, or you get Drew Holiday, who pound for pound is probably one of the strongest players in the NBA, moves his feet well, good positionally too, defensively. So you add him to the mix, Bobby Portis giving them another option in the post. Uh, P.J. Tucker, you know, we talk about how, how tough he is, how good of a defender he is. He's also been one of the best corner three-point shooters in the league for, for, for a little bit now. So you add all those pieces to the puzzle. Bryn Forbes giving them some timely shooting off the bench. And this is an entirely different Bucks team than the one that Miami beat in a bubble last year. And you know, we're seeing it right now. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like the Heat or like <laughs> Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are playing on the amazing race, that wonderful television show right now. And they're like the last team that showed up to the checkpoint. The guy's like, Jimmy, bam, you guys are a great team. Everybody loved you and thought you guys were great teammates. But I'm sorry, you've been eliminated. Like, it, this is over. Like, it's like the Heat and the, the Celtics are competing uh, to see who can get to Cancun first. I was gonna say, did the, <laughs> did the, the Heat break the huddle and say Cancun as well? Steve, did you ever hear that on Thursday night? Absolutely, they did. They said it like every time out there was. And they, I mean, I think you saw with Drogic being moved into the starting lineup, they're grasping at straws at this point, right? And then Drogic goes on to shoot three of fourteen. There just hasn't been a release valve in this series, as you said. You know, Jimmy Butler trying and Bam to some extent trying to drag this team along. It's it's not happening. They're just outmatched on every level. Uh, it's not the same Heat team that we saw last year. It's not the same Bucks team, and this is headed towards an easy sweep. Jimmy Butler finally got it going a little bit. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists on 7 of 17 shooting. Remember, he had been 8 of 32 in the series before this. That's clearly not enough. This was just a total decimation, as you guys said. And I I love this quote from Giannis. He said, the last two games haven't been easy. Obviously, we were up 30, but it's not easy. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) okay, I appreciate you trying to be respectful, but that was an easy game for the Bucs. And I have one more note that I noticed in the Associated Press recap of this game. I don't know if you guys saw this elsewhere. Out of a possible 96 minutes in games two and three, Milwaukee has led for 93 minutes and 49 seconds. It's been tied for a minute 54, and the Heat have led for a grand total of 17 seconds in two games. That is just incredible. It's very interesting that the Nets and the Bucks are both going to come out of sort of like Ronald Acuna rocking the baby sleep (laughs) as he crosses the plate. Like These guys are both having these series that are nothing serious. They're like being lulled to sleep. And then they're going to have to face each other after the, these easy 
matchups. It's going to be really interesting to watch that go down too. Well, one other note from this game, Dante DiVincenzo left early when his left foot appeared to twist very much the wrong way on a drive. It looked bad, but it's being called a left foot contusion for now. So maybe the Bucks dodged a bullet there. But let's move on to the Western Conference games that we saw on Thursday night, starting with the Lakers and the Suns. The Lakers win their second straight, take a 2-1 series lead. Anthony Davis scores 34 in a second consecutive game. Lakers score exactly 109 for a second consecutive game. Uh, LeBron adds 21 points, nine dimes. Dennis Schroeder scored 20. Raph, this Lakers D, it seems like, really clamping down. Phoenix was sitting on 46 points midway through the third. Did that or anything else stand out to you in this game? I'll give the Lakers some credit for the defense, but let's be honest. As soon as Chris Paul hurt his shoulder, this series changed. You know, when you have an elite player like a Chris Paul, LeBron James, they kind of instill confidence in, in your entire team when they're at their best. And when they're not at their best, and especially in the case of Paul in this series, you may be asking a little bit too much of younger players who've never been in this situation before. Now, forget being a two seed, being in the playoffs, period. So I think that's been a bigger issue for the Suns than, than anything the Lakers have done. Like, I don't want to take anything away from them, what they've done the last two games. Anthony Davis kind of flipping the switch or what have you. But that Chris Paul injury may have been the series right there. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. They they win game one with a healthy CP3. Now he's hurting. They lose two straight. And they look uh, rudderless uh, to, to some extent without him on the court. And especially on a night when Devin Booker is having trouble generating easy buckets, who else is going to step up for this team? Now, we saw a one-man run from campaign last night. He's frankly been terrific in the series, but mm-hmm. it's it's not enough, and it's too much to task a guy like campaign to step in into CP3's shoes, fill that role. Now, it'll be an interesting choice moving forward. Uh, you know, how much do the Suns limit CP3? Do they even start campaign and just say maybe maybe Paul doesn't have it? He finishes a negative 20 or minus 20 uh, the other night. And, you know, for the second straight game, he was on the bench down the stretch while the Suns made a run. So if he's not healthy, he can't shoot, he's not playing up to snuff, the Suns, as I said, have some tough decisions. First of all, props to Campaign's parents for giving him the name Campaign, because that's really fun to say. Um, I love it. Uh, It's too bad Nate McMillan is not coaching Chris Paul right now, because Nate McMillan probably would have held Chris Paul out of games two and three, they'd still be down two to one. He'd have six days of rest, and he might come into game four fully healthy, and the Suns might have a chance. Uh, also, you got no one has mentioned DeAndre Ayton. Out of all of this chatter, no one has talked about it. 11 of 15 shots, 22 points, 11 boards, a steal, two blocks. The guy has hit 32 of 39 shots in the series. He's averaging 20, 21.7, 12.3 and a block. He has been incredible. And I, I really think that we are seeing Aiton changing before our eyes. I think it's going to make him a better player um, next season. Yeah. I think mean, he's definitely the silver lining for Phoenix in this series. Um, I don't think either of us are trying to ignore what he's done, but yeah. it's just all injury just takes precedence over kind of anything else that the Suns have been able to do this series. Yeah, we, we've seen his role kind of change. In the regular season, he was often marginalized offensively. They weren't 
you know, looking to feed him in the post, or they would try to for a possession or two coming out of halftime or to, to be to open the game, try to establish him and then just quickly get away from it. Now we're seeing a drumbeat of feed feed Aiton in the post uh, and it's working. Steve, one quick note on campaign. I don't think we can give his, you know, full credit to his name until he runs for some sort of office and we can see a campaign <laughs> campaign. Oh, <laughs> by the way, I, I love Steve calling us out for not mentioning DeAndre Aiden amid all this chatter. It had been like two minutes that we've been talking <laughs> about this game. How have you guys not talked about DeAndre Some Aiden serious yet? shade. Uh, I can't believe we haven't talked about Compazzo yet. Like, really? Hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Tap the brakes. <laughs> Tap the brakes. You'll get your chance. By the way, Devin Booker was 6 of 19 in this one. Got ejected for a flagrant for shoving Dennis Schroeder late in the game. Clear frustration. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I get why he was ejected, but like this didn't strike you as is that bad, right? It was a little floppy. Yeah, but it was good. Was I mean, over he, there doing push-ups. I mean, he pushed him in midair. Like it was a yeah. dangerous play. Like he yeah. should probably should have been ejected. I had I had Devin Booker for like scoring over twenty four points or something ridiculous, and ouch, didn't come through. So Chris Paul. Seven points, five rebounds, six assists in 27 minutes. As you guys alluded to, he only got two and a half minutes in the fourth as Phoenix was down big. I think Campaign, who went for 15 points, six dimes, four steals, and three threes in his 27 minutes, is almost getting going to get to the point, I think, where the DFS salary might not make it worth it. Last night might have been the last free, semi-free shot at Campaign. In, uh, and now every time I say that, I can't. I can only think of C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N. It's <laughs> ruined for me. All I can see is Will Ferrell punching a baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do I do know the film. So anyhow, the Lakers take a 2-1 lead. Mikel Bridges, you know, one of you guys mentioned who is going to help out on offense for the Suns. Mikel Bridges struggling 7.3 points per game in the series on 35.5% shooting Ryan. Yeah, and that's not his role, right? To generate his own offense. That's not what he's done all season. I don't think he's going to be that savior. He, you know, he's more of a catch and shoot guy, a slasher who's going to generate points off other people setting him up. So, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's an, an easy answer for them, uh, even more from DeAndre Ayton. I mean, it may not be enough for him to be a 20 to 24 point guy. Uh, he may need to, to go for 30 for them to win another game. So what you're saying is this the series is over. <laughs> yeah. I don't see as long as Chris Paul's shoulder doesn't miraculously heal yeah. overnight. You know, and I was watching Chris Paul's press conference last night and he's so he's angry. You you can tell like his he knows his arm is not right. And he I get the sense his arm is not gonna be right uh anytime soon. Even if Nate McMillan would have held him out for six days. His arms still still may not be right. It so. has shades of that hamstring injury that that ruined uh, the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. A yeah. little foreshadowing for everyone. Steve Alexander is a little frustrated with what Nate McMillan did in Game Two with the Hawks rotation, <laughs> but we'll get to that quickly. I I don't want to shortchange how good Anthony Davis looks, Raph. I mean, he, yeah. you know, just mentioning his thirty four points doesn't do it justice. He's scoring like at every level, absolutely dominating for the Lakers, and when he's playing this well. LeBron doesn't even have to be a superhero, I don't think. I agree with that. And it, it's a bit frustrating because you wonder, if he flips the switch in game one, it's probably a 3-0 lead right now. Like It's not like they got blown out in game one of that series, even though he played poorly. And then afterwards, I have to play better. Yeah, we know. Um, we know, too, <laughs> but it's like 
why not just come out with that killer instinct from the jump? Because it, maybe they win. I think they're going to win in five with the Chris Paul shoulder injury, but it might be a sweep if he were ready to go from the start. So, yeah, like he said, he's been dominant in games two and three. Now, now you want two more for the Lakers, and I don't think it's being greedy to want that either. I think he's capable of it, as we've seen. So, you know, hopefully he just kind of finishes his one off so they can get some rest ahead of the second round. Yeah, it's interesting you, you say that, Raf. And there was a quote from LeBron before the series. He said that he views game one as a feeling out game. Mm-hmm. It almost made it sound like, yeah, like he wasn't quite locked in. No, he had the yeah. ankle thing. Maybe that was playing into it. But it was a strange, strange quote. <laughs> uh, but you're right. He didn't appear locked in. But now that he is, I mean, he was having fun last night. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, doing his little shoulder rolls and laughing and getting into it with Jake Crowder and obviously getting by far the better of that matchup. Yeah. Uh, and a loose... Uh, laughing LeBron James in the third quarter of a game is not something you want to see if you're Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. What did, what, what did Jay Crowder do to LeBron that made him so angry? Because uh, LeBron was abusing him on national TV and it was kind of funny to watch. Did you <laughs> the see Lakers the post spent. up where, I don't know if this happened more than once, but where LeBron is on the block and you see the dude on Andre the bench. Drummond. I don't yeah, Andre that Drummond. Dude is mimicking yeah. it. <laughs> that was incredible. It was awesome. Yeah. First home playoff game for the Lakers in more than eight years, and it was a win. Lakers lead the series 2-1. As we move on to the third game of Thursday evening, that would be the Nuggets beating the Blazers 121-15. This was a great one, guys. Nikola Jokic goes for 36-11-5. Nuggets take a 2-1 lead. Austin Rivers absolutely came up huge with 21 points and five threes. Hit four of them late. That was wild. But, Steve, I want to start with you. What stood out to you here? And I assume I know the answer. Well, I, I'm going to let you say his first name because I've heard I, I I say it two different ways. I can't really figure I, it out. I say it Facundo. Facundo, yeah. Facundo. I sometimes say it Facundo, but well, fa- I think you've earned that right as like the president of his fan club. You can say it however you want. My man Facundo <laughs> Campazzo had 11 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, two steals, a block, and a uh, two three pointers. Ever since I've been chatting about him while I was on a yacht in Cancun, or actually Cancun on the rain. I was in Key West. I was not on a yacht. I was on the ocean. Composo's been a beast, and you guys did not think he had it in him. I'm just I'm just saying, man. That's not true. <laughs> Everybody got hurt, and he's finally getting his chance. That's what it is, you know? That, thank you, Ralph. <laughs> By the way, on a, on a yacht in Cancun versus on a porch in Key West is an incredible leap to make. <laughs> they both Nothing have against blue Key water. West. They both, they both have blue water. Well, so Denver puts all five starters in double digits. They went 20 of 38 on threes. The Blazers were 14 of 45. They finished 14 of 45, and they were, I think, 7 for 32 at one point in the fourth. Raph, what stood out to you from this one as, you know, on either side of the ball? I think it's a couple things. Uh, first and foremost, it's Denver's guard play. You, you look at all the injuries, you know, Jamal Murray done for the season. Will Barton may be back at some point in the series. We don't know when. Obviously, Monte Morris is back. But coming back from a hamstring injury, that can be a bit tricky. The minutes in production that they've gotten from Campazzo and Rivers last night, I think that's been a difference these last two games because on paper, you would think Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Norman Powell, they're going to dominate the guard play and be able to kind of minimize what Jokic is going to do on a post. You're not going to stop him. But Denver's guards have stepped up. They've gotten good minutes. Marcus Howard in game two, 
Shaq Harrison gave him some good defensive minutes. Uh, those are both situational guys, so they're not really DFS options by any stretch. But I think the guard play and then being able to put Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard these last couple games defensively has also been key for them. Yeah, is, is somebody running a shot back right now? <laughs> no, this, the landscapers are outside, and they're like, "Yeah." All right, it's just background noise. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's so good. I just wondered if it was somebody was making mashed potatoes, or Steve or, just wanted to know if it was in his house. You just yeah, just <laughs> trying to make sure that wasn't coming from uh, downstairs. But uh, I think the the Blazers are going to need. I mean. You know, if Dame, as Raf said, scores 37 points and CJ scores 22 with nine boards, three dimes, and they still lose on their home court, like they're getting nothing from their bench. And mm-hmm. Melo had a big game one and they won. He got hot late last night and they almost pulled off a comeback or at least made it competitive down the stretch. But they're going to need more from the bench. Ennis Cantor has, I believe, six points in the series. Uh, he was unplayable in game mm-hmm. three. Uh, Nikola Jokic will just eat him whole defensively. So there's there's no room for him when Jokic is on the court, which leaves him with about a dozen minutes a game. He only played six last night, but um, they're going to need some sort of scoring punch, someone to step up. If the Nuggets are playing Paul Millsap, uh, Millsap as a small ball backup center, uh, a guy like Hollis Jefferson may need to to step up and play well. So the, the Blazers' depth, my point, is becoming a real pinch point for this series and a real problem for them. I felt like there were two key players in that game last night. Well, more than that, but obviously Jokic. But Austin Rivers who the last time we really saw him, he was sitting on his couch, eating popcorn, watching friends and waiting for the phone to ring uh, for somebody to call him and offer him an NBA job. And now he's in Denver starting for them. And he he was awesome last night. Like he had a really, really good game. And like Roth and and Ryan and, and Matt all said, that really helped offset with CJ and Dame and, and, Ryan, you didn't mention Norman Powell's 18 points, four boards, a steal, two blocks, and two three-pointers. Like that, those three wings all all played really well. But the other key to this game, and really when it changed, I thought, was when Yusuf Nurkic, Nurkler, fouled out with five mm-hmm. minutes left. Mm-hmm. And like we said, Enos Cantor has has been invisible. And <clears throat> once Nurkic was gone, Jokic kind of did what he wanted to control the game. And the the Nuggets pulled out a, a really close game, one twenty to one fifteen. So, series is far from over. Uh, I am feeling confident though that I glad that I took the Nuggets in that series, and hopefully MVP to be Nikola Jokic is able to advance. But we'll see. It's funny that we're talking about the Blazers' depth being an issue because coming to the series, I think I know I was personally worried about the Nuggets' depth, but. At least in game three, you know, the Nuggets got by. I, I don't I don't think you can expect Austin Rivers to bail you out with four late threes every game. So there's a, there's a little bit of a fluke factor there to that for me. But I mean, not to try to take away credit, but I don't think you can really count on a repeat of that in multiple games. But you take the wins how you get them. And one more footnote on this game. It was 91-91 with 540 left. So that means that over the final less than six minutes of this game, the score was 29-24. to by my math, there were more than 20 points scored in the last 43 seconds of this game, which is just wild. What a, what a strange, strange finish to this one. And glorious for those who took the over. <laughs> so the Blazers got 37 from Lillard, but he was just 5 for 16 
on threes. So this is a very good series. Looking forward to game four there. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, you have a chance to experience the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500 on NBC. 33 of the world's best drivers will battle head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks and claim their place in history. Experience the drama, pageantry, and tradition Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, only on NBC. All right, guys, looking ahead to Friday, there are two games on the schedule. Three, if you're counting the Nets Celtics as anything other than a walkover. So... We're not going to start there. We're going to start with the game that tips off less than seven hours from now, the Knicks and the Hawks, as Steve has alluded to about 35 different times. We saw Hawks coach Nate McMillan stick with his bench way too long, I think most people who are watching this game thought, during a crucial stretch of the game. Trey Young only played 35 minutes, Steve. I'm throwing it to you first to uh, to complain. Is that is that what you plan to do here? Well, first of all, we I'm hosting trivia on Friday night at the Gold City Growler store in Dahlonega. They don't have televisions there. Uh, Uh, The game is at 7. Trivia starts at 8, which means I'm going to miss basically everything that happens between 7 and 9 o'clock in that game. I'm not happy about that. I'm also not happy that Derrick Rose played 39 minutes while Trey Young played 35 minutes. Uh, Ja Morant played what 43 minutes mm-hmm. something like that scored 47 points look like trey young is 22 years old this is the nba playoffs you have a six or seven point lead at new york with three minutes left in the third quarter you don't bench your 22 year old stud for eight or nine minutes and watch the knicks build a 10 point lead you just don't do it and nate mcmillan what was he? Three and sixteen in the playoffs for the Pacers. That's why he got fired. That's why he's no longer the coach of the of the Pacers. Uh, he comes into Atlanta, has an incredible regular season. Yeah. Everybody loves him. People are coming up to me when I go out in town. They're like, "We got to hire this coach. We got to take away the interim tag." Well, guess what? If Nate McMillan doesn't turn this around and start doing what he should be doing in the playoffs, that that interim tag is going to turn into a fired tag. Like. You cannot give away games in the playoffs, and the Haw- the Hawks should be up two zero heading home. I'm sorry. No, that's I love 
you know, Twitter was erupting throughout that Knicks run, uh, while Trey and Bogdan Bogdanovich was Bogdan also too, on the yeah. bench for that for that stretch. And, and, that and DeAndre of, Hunter was on the bench for longer than both of them. Right. And it but the question is like, why not stagger Bogdanovich, which has been working so well and through the end of the regular season was what they had been doing. So it was a bizarre choice. Uh, but it's amazing how the magnifying glass of the postseason, like one one stretch like that, and suddenly a coach goes from give him a four year deal to uh, fire this guy. It is incredible. He, I will say, I do think he did a fantastic job during the regular season. I do think that overall he does a good job with this team. They seem to like him a lot. They play hard for him. Like I think schematically he does some good things. He draws up good plays. Like it's just one thing right now, but it's a huge thing. And yeah. in game one, I'm pretty sure Trey Young was out until like six minutes of the fourth. So he sat even longer in game one of the fourth quarter and they got away with it. But Raf, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this. When I saw you smiling a few times during Steve's rant about Nate. I enjoyed Trey Young sitting on the bench during that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Like, hey, I, I asked, like, when are they coming back? It was like, you know, just keep them over there. You know, i um, that being said, I think both fan bases have some legitimate arguments about the rotations. Interesting. Like, Alfred Payton should not be playing playoff basketball. Then. I think we need a lot of Alfred. I think we need nah, more. Nah, nah. <laughs> but, see, the thing is, like, he's only played what? I don't even know if he's played 10 minutes per game in the first two of this series. No. He's like a minus 20 or something like that. Like, it'd be one thing if you're starting him. <laughs> And while he's not giving you much offensively, he's giving you something defensively. He's giving you some kind of spark. That's not happening. Like, there's no secret why they started off slow those first two games. And it's not all about nerves. I'm kind of in in agreement with Tommy Beer. He says they should consider starting Frank Nilekina at the point. Because he won't give you much offensively. But at least you can get, get a guy who will pressure 94 feet, maybe tire out Trey a little bit. And then you go to Derrick Rose. But they they can't – it's time to pull the plug on Alfred Payton. You know? I know he's had his moment – he had his moments during the regular season, but it, it's it's playoff time. Your rotation can't look the same, especially when your guy's playing as poorly as this. Well, they pulled the plug on him, right? Like, yeah. like he Rose did not start the second the half. Second he half. Didn't play it all right. in the third, yeah. I don't think – like I, I wrote – uh, in that blurb after that game, like we may not see Alfred Payton again yeah. in this series. No. Like he might be done. And Neil Kina, I agree with you. I'd, I'd rather see Neil Kina start than be thrown into the game with mm-hmm. 10 seconds left and yeah. be asked to guard Trey Young. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. But um, Julius Randle did not really do anything in that game until the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And DeAndre Hunter went out of the game with like five minutes and 27 seconds left in the third and didn't come back until Trey and, and Pogey did, which was way into the fourth. And I really think that's why Julius Randle got going. And I caught a lot of heat on Twitter for, for saying that DeAndre Hunter stopped Julius Randle in game one, but he Randle was not great in game two either. And I think Hunter's a big reason why. He is a big reason why. And mm-hmm. it's, it's also credit to, you know, to come back to Nate McMillan and the, the Hawks coaching staff. They have a really good scheme against Julius Randle. They do. 
apparently on most position uh, possessions it looks like Clint Capella's playing like free safety behind the, the behind the line mm. uh, so right behind Hunter if if Randall's looking for you know an easy cutter or something he's he's staring at multiple defenders so they're defending him really well they're paying uh, you know the entire defense is orchestrated toward him when he has the ball so he's going to have to figure something out and he had a a strange quote after game one when he was asked about his his struggles and he said something like i don't really care how they defended me i'm just going to keep playing my game and and it'll go better next time and i was like well why would you not <laughs> like and maybe it was just a quote for media consumption expressing self-confidence and whatnot but I'm like surely you would want to attack this defense in a different way and not just repeat your mistakes but in any case he's struggling and they need to figure out how to get randall unlocked in a hurry you know, and and back to talking about press conferences and and post game, and back back to Nate McMillan, like they asked him after the game, like, "What do you think about your rotation?" He looked at his sheet. He's like, "Trey played thirty five or thirty five minutes. Like, what, yeah. what more do you want?" And, mm-hmm. and like he he's been hounded and asked about his rotations, his playoff rotations now for five different playoff seasons. And he still doesn't seem to care. He's like, hmm. uh, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the rotation. It's not the rotation's fault. We didn't make shots. Well, man, I mean, I just don't know if it's going to happen. And Matt, what you're, when you went on your little um, tangent about Nate McMillan and how you loved the way he coached the team in the regular season, he got everything turned around, which is all true. Like, I love Nate McMillan in the regular season, too. If you talk to any Pacers fan, they will say the exact same thing that you just said. Man, he was really great in the regular season. Yeah. The players like him. Everybody reacts to him. Then we get to the postseason. He's he's literally has the second worst playoff winning percentage in coaching history. I mean, I will say, despite all of that, the Hawks also shot 12 for 44 on threes. Bogdanovich and Gallinari are combined four for 22. Four for 22. So yeah. everyone other than Trey Young was eight for 37. So... It also took the Hawks shooting horribly and leaving their starters on the bench too long. But the, but the bench unit the Hawks are running out there, it looks bad on paper, and it is bad. I mean, unless Gallinari <laughs> is just raining threes, that bench unit, you know, with a Kong Wu, who's, who's a raw rookie, you know, Herter, who is a complete wild card on every possession. I mean, you've got to have Gallinari draining threes or that, or Lou Williams ridiculously hot, or else that unit is a total disaster. Ryan, were you about to jump in? Well, just especially when John Collins is mired in foul trouble and goes right. scoreless in the course of a game. Like, I mean, he, he we need to talk about that a little bit. Do we? Well, and Danilo Gallinari, Gallinari has been awful in two games. Like, both of those games, he was terrible. And he's he, he had a really good season for the Hawks. Like, they need him to be a presence off that bench, especially when John Collins picks up three fouls in three minutes, doesn't score a point in a playoff game. You know, that's a Matt Straub, former uh, first-round potential fantasy pick. Oh, uh, throwing shade, I guess. Almost. Was, that, was that a shot? I didn't fire? take no, Collins in the first I... round anywhere. Okay, second round. Second round. Uh, yeah, geez. And you called my thing a tangent before. Just a couple of vicious jabs at me in the last Well, few I'm not here. trying to. I'm just in a bad mood. <laughs> that little <laughs> thing you went on to, to dismiss it. <laughs> a little thing, yeah. Nate, <laughs> little detour. Nate McMillan's gotten, gotten me fired up. And I'm taking it out <laughs> on my, my host, my best friend, Matt Straub. <laughs> By the way, Gallinari with the Mohawk is three for 16 on three. Something's got to change in a hurry. I do feel like he... He is a big barometer for the Hawks because of how shaky the bench is. Raph, do you have any, any closing thoughts ahead of Game 3 on this one? 
No, I think this series is going seven, regardless of who wins tonight. So, yeah, I think the big key, the big key is, is seeing how the coaches adjust their rotations, if at all. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like Steve said, we've seen the last of Alfred Payton. We should have. But if not, if he starts tonight, I get the feeling the Knicks are going to get blown out because he just can't be out there. I'm not going to underestimate Tom Thibodeau's stubbornness, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. been asked about this for months because Alfred Payton has not been playing well for a mm-hmm. long time. And he kept playing him 12 minutes a night down the stretch of the season. Now he played eight and then five. So maybe this is finally the moment. I'm with you, Ralph. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like a challenge, like who, which coach can be more stubborn? Because meanwhile, you've got Nate McMillan being like, well, that, I, I played my normal rotation. It's like, do you see that the other coach is making adjustments? Like, you know, it, the, the other coach is making moves and has better players on the floor than you do. And you, the, the game is being lost right now. I just, I don't know how, I know it's a lot going on during an NBA game, but how can you not see that? Yeah, I'd like to see Thibodeau and Nate McMillan, like, sit down and play a game of Scrabble. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Nets and the Celtics. And I, and I didn't mean to be dismissive about this one, but... It is really hard to see how the Celtics have a, anything even close to a prayer to win this game or win a single game in the series. As of this taping, Kemba Walker is now questionable with a bone bruise in his left knee. Does anyone out there want to present any shred of Celtics optimism? I do not. I, it's impossible, right? I will decline that opportunity. It is impossible. Yeah. It is impossible. And this is another series where the, the good team is being lulled to sleep uh, as they try to prepare for round two of the playoffs. So as much as the Hawks-Knicks, to me, is must-see TV, that series, I, I I really can't hardly watch it. All right, well, let's move on then. We've got game three of the Clips <laughs> and the Mavs. This is one worth talking about. Luka and the Mavs are up two games to nothing as that series heads to Dallas. Raph, we'll start with you. Do you think the Clippers can get back into this? And if so, how do they do it? I think they can. The thing that's always gotten me about the Clippers, though, is that they're really good at telling people that they're championship contenders. They just aren't good in actually doing it. Like, seriously, you've got guys who, you know, they'll go on to interviews and podcasts and proclaim themselves to be superstars, and we're wondering where the hell they are come playoff time. It's absolutely amazing. I've seen people explain it away as it's the Clippers. We know it's the Clippers, but... You keep telling us year after year that things have changed. It's a new day. We're here to battle with the Lakers, blah, blah, blah. And then not only do you get lit up by a guy that for some bizarre reason you tank to match up with, (laughs) now his teammates are lighting you up because you have to devote two, two and a half guys to defend him because you can't stop him one-on-one. The Clippers have talent, and I think they can make this a series. But that's going to involve guarding Luka Doncic, and I don't think they can do it. So I don't know. I I believe in Kawhi Leonard. I don't really believe in Paul George. And that's why I think Dallas is going to end up winning this series. Uh, That was my favorite one minute and 30 seconds of Roth in his (laughs) history. That was awesome. Great tangent, Um, Raph. Great tangent. It it was really a great thing you did there. You know that. (laughs) No, that was that was that was good. His he has as much anger towards the Clippers as I have towards uh, Stroud <laughs> and McMillan, apparently. <laughs> but no, I'm just excited. I'm just happy to be here and watch Luka Doncic just go nuts and watch the Clippers lose two games at home. The only team in the NBA playoffs to fall into a two-zero hole 
And I, I think if there's a team in the NBA that Dallas is not scared of, the f- number one team on that list is probably the Clippers. Yeah, and Paul, I mean, this is going to be tough for Paul George to live down if the Clippers flame out in four games, five games. You know, he spent most of the season saying, I'm here to prove my doubters wrong. You know, I, I am this all-NBA player. I'm going to, you know, I have, I have everything to prove, et cetera. Uh, and he's shooting 50% in the series, but 20% from deep just hasn't been a game changer. Obviously, neither he nor Kawhi have any answers for Luka Doncic right now. Um, as Raph said, they have to throw multiple uh, elite defenders at him. In you know, as we know, Luka can just pick them apart when he sees any seam. He'll make the next pass and get, just gets the Clippers' defense scrambling. They've had no chance. Key for the Mavs, too, is Porzingis. We talked before the series started. I said the biggest glaring red sign I saw was that Porzingis came in with soreness in his surgically repaired knee. Now, he had returned right towards the end of the regular season, but that's still a big warning flag. Uh, But he's looked good, and he scored, I think, what, 20 points the other night? Uh, Three steals in that game, played 32 minutes, and looked fine doing so. So the health of his knee has been just critical, giving Luka some support, not that he's needed much of it. No, you're right. He's he's kind of that. I think Steve, you said this. Just him being on the floor as a threat helps alleviate pressure on Luca, and you could see that. And uh, I just came back to the Clippers. Which stretch four is letting their team down worse? Is it Danilo Gallinari for the Hawks, or is it Marcus Morris for the Clippers, who I think is five for seventeen through two games? I, well, I, my point was going to be. My next point was going to be the Clippers are getting nothing from anyone except Kawhi. Like Marcus Morris, invisible. Patrick Beverly getting run over by Maxi Kleber picks and then getting run over by Luka Doncic driving and dunking. Like nobody on the Clippers has shown up. So, I mean, the Hawks have won a game. They could have won two games. The Clippers haven't won any games. And it's they need a third player to step up. And so far, it's only been all of Kawhi and a half Paul George uh, for the Clippers. Nobody else is doing anything. I think two things I'd add to that. One, when it comes to Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook was right. He has been fooling people. <laughs> I, you know, I know we laugh at that soundbite, but it's true. He has been fooling people. And, and the other thing, you know, I see people note that Luke Kennard hasn't played at all in this series. With all due respect to Luke Kennard, when you're looking at him playing as the possible momentum <laughs> in the series, you're, you're about done. Like, that's... Yeah. I'd like to see more of him and Terrence Mann out there, but if you're at that point... No, I agree. I, I'll raise my hand. I, I mentioned it last time. I, I was like, why not try it? I mean, I get what Ryan was saying. Yeah. I get what everyone else is saying. Like, he's horrible defensively. But what do you... Do you shoot like 44% on threes this year? I mean, mm-hmm. why not 45. throw the guy out there for 12 minutes and see if he can catch a heater and yeah. score 12 points for you, you know, and and go on a mini run? I, I don't know. I don't see what you have to lose at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Because at least you have someone who could potentially play off of Kawhi and Paul when they try to create off the dribble. Because you got, like, Rondo and Beverly out there at the same time. I know we talk about playoff Rondo and whatnot, but Dallas isn't going to respect either of those guys when it comes to catch and shoot. So you put Kennard out there, maybe it works. But, again, you're down 0-2, and we're talking about Luke Kennard possibly being the momentum shift. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like it's sort of like when we're talking about uh, starting Frank <laughs> Frank Neal yeah, exactly. to save to save the day. Yeah, but that series is tied one one. That's the difference. At least they're even. 
I know. I know. Were, I'm kidding. We're trying to talk a lot of optimism after this game. They were like, nah, it's fine. No worries. No worries. And, <laughs> and Ty Lu had a hilarious quote. He was like, okay, well, you know, they came in and, and took two games. Now they have to keep shooting like that at home. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay. Like, clearly this guy has, has no leg to stand on. Uh, oh, let, let's see if they could keep it up on their home court. What are you talking about? I also think that Tim Hardaway Jr. and Maxi Cleaver, and especially Josh Richardson late in that second game, all three of those guys really played well and, and not, not to leave out Jalen Brunson either. So mm-hmm. there's, there's four guys for the Mavericks in addition to Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Luca, that are that are making a serious impact on this series, and then you look at the Clippers, and it's Kawhi Leonard and nobody else. Yeah. So it's just it's like one on five. Yeah, even Maxi Kleba I would throw in there. Uh, Carlisle likes to talk about him as one of their better defenders, and he is excellent defensively. And it gives them a front court with Kleba and Porzingis, both of whom can step out and hit threes, kind of negating Ivica Zubac's strengths. Mm. Pulling him out of the paint opens everything else up. So, I mean, it's a very, very difficult matchup for the Clippers, and I'm not sure there are a lot of good solutions. Uh, you know, Luke Kennard, magic bullet notwithstanding. <laughs> By the way, Steve, you might you might be being a little harsh on Paul George. Twenty eight points, twelve boards, six dimes in games two. I I think one on five might be a little extreme. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're gonna be back on Monday to break down the weekend that was in the playoffs and to look ahead. Thanks to all of you for listening and to anyone watching live on YouTube, Ryan, Raf, Steve. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.